We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike, here with Sam. Sam, Bradley Beal? Are you shocked? I am not shocked. Not shocked. We talked about it midweek on our Patreon pod. I will say this. Uh, we we were a little bit unfair in the past week. Let's start there. Okay. Oh, I don't know where this is No, no, is no. Going. We okay. were a little bit unfair because our <laughs> what, was the, what was the title of our last episode? Wasn't it just slop? Uh, slop slop season, season, I believe. Slop season part and one. Then more slop. More slop. <laughs> more slop for the. Well, yep. some of the slop was not slop, and that's well, where we were being a little bit unfair. So, as it turns out, we'll see. No, this is real. John yeah, real. Gambadoro <laughs> approved this rumor yesterday. Do you know how often that happens? That never happens. It never happens. The interest yes, here between I mean, the he, Suns and Bradley Beal is real. Yeah. We'll see if it actually happens. We have a ton to talk about in terms of covering this. Right. Um, but the slop was nutritious. It had vitamins and minerals. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like we, we just it wasn't complete garbage, uh, as it turns out. And that right there is an exciting prospect, regardless of what you feel about Bradley Beal uh, as a basketball player. <laughs> and I'm, Let's, I'm sure yeah. people come from from all sorts of sides uh, there. Let's break it down from the beginning in case people missed it. Um, I think Shams was the first to report yes, on sir. it, right? Uh, that it, the initial report was that the Wizards are speaking to two teams about trading Bradley Beal, and those two teams, by the way, another summer of Miami versus Phoenix because it was Kevin Durant last year, and here we are, Bradley Beal, uh, Miami versus Phoenix once again. Brad Beal has a no trade clause, something we're going to mention 15 times in this podcast, I'm sure. But yeah, we talked, I mean, we did talk about it last week. It was on the Patreon podcast, but we said once Brad Beal was granted permission to speak with other teams, which is something the Wizards did because of his no trade clause, he's essentially trading himself. He can deny any trade to a team he doesn't want to go to. Once he was granted permission to speak with other teams, I told you, Sam. I guarantee 
the sons are going to be in that conversation speaking to him just to see if he's interested and if there is interest there then i think they could actually make a, an effort to trade for him and it appears there was interest because now everyone's reporting on it shams jumped in Wodes jumped in confirmed chris haynes actually threw some names out i think which was an interesting part of this conversation and then like you said the guy who really only says no to things. <laughs> the Reaper. John Gambadoro. The Reaper. Yeah, the Reaper. I was going to make a joke. Jumped in and confirmed something. I was going to make a joke yesterday that he, he was probably rushing home as soon as he heard the news to deny it vehemently. <laughs> uh, and yet, yeah. uh, actually, like 15 minutes after that, he came out and said, nope, this is real. This he is real. He, and uh, <laughs> He had to say it was real. That's how you know it was real. So... There's all sorts of details here. I think we can talk about the trade value, the no trade clause. I think we should talk about that in a bit. But but just first, the concept of Bradley Beal as a player. Yeah. What okay. say you? Let's start from the, the very he, basics. Uh, this is a guy. Here, I'll throw out the averages real quick for people who haven't seen. Obviously, this is a guy who averaged 31 points per game just two years ago. With the Washington Wizards, there are some injury concerns. People will be quick to let you know about that. Um, I would also point out that some of the games he's missed in the past few years have been due to tanking or end-of-season rest-related scenarios. So there are absolutely injury concerns with Bradley Beal, but it hasn't been 100% um, the the case in all of his absences. Uh, Average 23 points, 3.9 rebounds, 5.4 assists per game this year. 51% mm -hmm. from the field, 37% from deep, and 84% from the free throw line. The other number that everyone is quick to point out uh, is that he has 200 and something million dollars left remaining on his contract <laughs> over the next four years. Not my money. And of course, yeah. uh, just turned 30 years old. Or actually, let me correct myself, turns 30 years old in 10 days just before uh, July 1st. Uh, so, first thought, he's very good <laughs> at basketball. Good analysis. <laughs> and the reality of it is maybe even go beyond that and say the collection of Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Brad Beal would be the best collection of offensive talent the Phoenix Suns have ever, ever had and one of the best collections of offensive talent the league has ever seen in those three players, I think. You can go as far as saying that because that like high, high level of create, shot creation for themselves and for others out of three players, I think the only thing that comes close to it is probably when Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant played together, but they were on the court, what, like eight times? Like 18, 18 <laughs> together. games total over a full season. And, yeah. and that's going to be the natural comparison, unfortunately. Well, Kevin Durant's involved. For this yeah. trio, if this trio gets together. So it's kind of on the Suns and maybe on us a little bit if we feel the need to to defend the proposition of getting Bradley Beal here <laughs> to point out what are the differences between this trio and that trio. Because I understand any critic, well, any doubter of this move, right away they're going to mention, well, it didn't work for Harden, Kyrie, and KD. Here's, I think this is what's fascinating about this, and it's hard to talk about all of it without jumping straight into this because I think there's a way that we sort of build up to this idea, but... If the Suns are trading, which is a supposed rumor, Chris Paul and Landry Shamit for Bradley Beal, what's the downside? <laughs> you know? Like, how the, could you say that this is a bad the idea? The downside, and I'm just playing devil's advocate because I'm, I'm going to just be upfront here. I think this is, this is great. Um, this news came right. out yesterday, and I couldn't think about anything else for the rest of the day. 
Um, not to say <laughs> that I think there isn't risk. There is significant risk. Yeah, we'll talk there about that. There is significant yeah. risk. But for me, it all just comes down to weighing the pros and cons, thinking about the alternatives that face this team right now. And as I think about the alternatives, and, and some of them we've discussed, we've discussed at length over the past few weeks, the concept of, per se, waving and stretching Chris Paul, who we've talked about, is already a decent basketball player. He's a more than decent basketball player. Waving and stretching Chris Paul. Like, if you can't trade DeAndre Ayton for any depth because the value for him out there is supposedly so low, and then you wave and stretch Chris Paul, and all that does for you on your cap sheet is it creates a full mid-level exception worth $12 million that you can then go out and say, Gabe Vincent, here's $12 million. Yeah, we'll say Gabe Vincent or like... Dylan Brooks. Brooke Lopez at here's the best, $12 million. best possible. So, yeah. so uh-huh. if we're talking about the trade-off of we lose Chris Paul anyway and we get to bring in a player of that caliber, a Harrison Barnes, a Brooke Lopez, a Gabe Vincent, yada, yada. Right. Uh, and then you can't trade Aiton for much if you can move him at all. Versus the alternative of let's trade Chris Paul and Landry Shamit for, yes, he's flawed, but a top 40 player in the NBA. Because he is. He's still a top 40 player in the NBA. To me, the choice is pretty clear. Yes, we're going to be locking in our window for the next couple of years. And this is what a lot of critics are, are going to come out and say as well. Is that, especially if Beal still has that no trade clause, you're locked into him. You're married to that contract for the next four years through his age 33 season we don't know what he's going to look like in a couple of years but and the team gets harder to build once Devin Booker and the team gets much harder to build so like once we do this we are all in but we were especially this year you know this year I would just argue that we were already all in when we made the KD move and when I look at how when I look at the cap sheet and the options that are available to us um, it's not that we couldn't be, like we could build a decent team by getting Gabe Vincent and Josh Richardson and whatever. Like I would, I'm still interested in covering that team. I could have fun covering that team, and 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 they could they win, could a, win championship. a championship. That could be a great team. They could. Um, but this team, as long as we have an owner who's willing to spend, which evidently we do, it's a lot of talent. It's a lot of. T- it's an undeniable amount of talent, the likes of which Suns fans have never seen, and uh, I think it would be a lot of fun. More importantly, I think, yes, they would have a very good chance at winning an NBA championship. Landry Shamit has zero trade value outside of the fact that his salary is non-guaranteed after this coming season. Meaning that in reality, in most cases, in a league where expiring salary usually matters very little, he has zero trade value. So we're talking about potentially flipping Landry Shamit's expiring money along with Chris Paul who's just not there at the end of seasons he's just not he can't stay healthy so we're talking about trading those two guys for Brad Beal and Brad Beal comes with his own injury concerns of course but I I just I don't really like I said I just don't really see the downside between a 39 year old oft injured point guard and a player with zero trade value for a 30-year-old potential All-NBA player. <laughs> you know, that's what we're... We're talking about the difference between, like, Team USA and not Team USA here. You know, that's the difference in, in what we're talking about trading. And I think the the conversation on the the value of what the Suns trade, to me, is everything. Because if we're talking about sacrificing really great, great, great players, and in, in Chris Paul, we kind of are. Um, it's a different conversation. And I do think that we should talk about the Chris Haynes report because Chris Haynes broke it down pretty pretty straightforward for us here. And he, I'm going to read it directly as far as how he worded it because we can talk about what we think this means. 
Phoenix can offer a trade package of DeAndre Ayton and Landry Shamit to Washington for Bradley Beal, but it's believed a Chris Paul Shamit deal is what it would take if Beal chose to force his way to the Suns via his no trade clause. There is a lot to that tweet, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's Let's talk about the no trade clause yeah, for a that's second a, here. That's probably the most important aspect of all this because people are asking themselves maybe if they're not familiar as familiar with the NBA landscape or um, if they haven't been following the NBA for as long, they're probably thinking to themselves beyond just the contract, how the hell is an all NBA caliber player like Bradley Beal available for Chris Paul and Landry Shamit? How is that even a conversation? It all comes down to the no trade clause. So he ha- he's the only player in the NBA with a real no trade clause. And, you know, not like one that DeAndre Ayton had for a single year last year, meaning that Brad Beal cannot be traded unless he approves the trade, which completely zaps all of the leverage that the Wizards have if they choose to trade him, which it appears they did choose to trade him, right? Because they're allowing him to speak with other teams. If you're looking at two teams, Miami and Phoenix as the two teams that he is okay with, which supposedly that's true, then maybe you could weigh the offers next to each other. What can Phoenix offer? Here, this is a shit offer. Here, what can Miami offer? This is a shit offer too, supposedly. Um, you can weigh those next to each other. But if Brad Beal goes, actually, you know what? No, I want to go to Miami. Then they, they can give whatever they can to match salary, and that's it. If he says, no, I only want to go to Phoenix, then we can give whatever we can to match salary, and that's it. And for the uh, for the Wizards, they would prefer Chris Paul and Landry Shamit because that's expiring money. They can get rid of them after this season. They don't have long contracts for players that they don't want. And this is assuming, of course, they want to rebuild. In fact, in Chris Paul's case, they probably would buy him out and let him go to whatever team he chose, which probably would benefit Chris Paul, which, by the way, is one of the reasons I squint at this Chris Haynes tweet a little bit, <laughs> wondering where this source came from. Uh, but I think, and I guess the biggest part of this conversation has to be that no trade clause, right? Yes. Um, it's NBA teams basically never give out NBA trade clauses for this reason. <laughs> and, and GMs yeah. around the league are looking very carefully at what's going to happen here uh, at, at the result of this trade and probably think to themselves, okay, that's it. I'm never giving out an NBA trade clause uh, or uh, sorry, a no trade clause to my player again, mm-hmm. if I can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Because the concept, the the mere idea that Beal can just hold the Wizards hostage like this is a really scary thought to basically every franchise out there. And it's happened before in a no-trade clause scenario. Uh, Kobe has done that to the Lakers. So, like, it's not like something that we're completely... Uh, we're, we're like okay in 2007 this is from our friend Mort. He brought this up when I brought up the no-trade clause on Twitter. In 2007, the Bulls and Lakers agreed on the parameters of a trade that would send Kobe Bryant to Chicago. Kobe saw that Luol Deng would be part of the trade, meaning that he wouldn't be able to play with Luol Deng when he got to Chicago, and just said no. And the Lakers, of course, benefited from that because they were able to keep Kobe. Um, But that was an example of something that was on the finish line, and Kobe just ended it. You know, this is as simple as it gets when it comes to no trade clauses. The players hold all of the power in this scenario and uh, and we could see what happens there but let's talk more about that Chris Haynes tweet because I want to ask you are we assuming based on how Chris Haynes wrote this that the Wizards just want nothing to do with DeAndre Ayton that would well nothing to do with DeAndre Ayton based on only what Chris Haynes is saying I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far 
Uh, but yes, I think the general conclusion is that the Wizards don't want much to do with DeAndre Ayton. It's not necessarily saying, because I've seen some people stretch this out to, to say a different thing um, and say this means that Chris Paul's trade value is higher than DeAndre Ayton's trade value. It could mean that. It doesn't necessarily mean right. that. What in, it's, in this specific scenario, what it's saying is it entirely specific to the Washington Wizards, how they value their franchise going forward their roster building principles um, and, and what they see as the future of their team. And obviously Chris Paul is not going to be involved in that future. It's just um, they, they don't want to be tied to the eight and contract. They would rather have the cap space that they could generate from waving Chris Paul. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Chris Paul has more value than Aiton in a vacuum. Um, and we've been saying, yeah, in this trade, maybe I don't true, know. Yeah. We've been saying all off season long that we suspect that Aiton actually would be the guy with more value. I'm not so sure anymore <laughs> now that I'm starting to see right reports like this uh but i like i would at least still hope that there are some rebuilding franchises out there that would continue to evaluate it would be more good high. news it would be good news for the suns in this case if that were the case because then if Aiden has more value to other teams except for the washington wizards and the suns are able to to figure out a trade where chris paul and andrew shamit brings you Bradley Beal and you still have DeAndre and now DeAndre and has more value to the other teams that are potentially willing to trade for him then you can make another move to bring in potentially one or two more guys to help this team in the future so like the idea of DeAndre and having less value to the Wizards but more to other teams in this case this is what sold me on this idea for a trade I mean there's really it's kind of the best case scenario for the Suns you know assuming it's true and the other option here is that DeAndre and has negative trade value and Woj <laughs> hinted at that in the last week that that the 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 market for DeAndre in his bear let's call it that um and and look that would be bad <laughs> that would be a bad case here that the Suns are forced to bring back a player that they want to trade because he has no value that uh, would be no good I, uh, but we're looking at a potential of trading Chris Paul Andrew Shamit for an all-star and still having DeAndre and to potentially make moves for players to fit around them. And that's a pretty good scenario. I know you've been looking at some numbers today, but I don't know if you have this specifically. Did you consider the possibility of the Suns are not able to trade DeAndre Ayton anywhere, so they bring him back? And how much money would they have then? It, But they still execute the Bradley Beal trade, right? So how much money would the Suns have between, theoretically, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and DeAndre Ayton? Did you look at that? Uh, I think it's like 161 so million. So obviously they would be well into the second apron. They would not have the ability yeah. to use um, a, a taxpayer mid-level exception. They'd, they'd be hard capped at a certain point. So you're talking about a reality where they have those four players uh, and entirely minimum contracts around them. Uh, but even if they do trade DeAndre Ayton, isn't there also, based on the numbers you've been looking at, a heavy possibility that just with the three players, just with Beal, Durant, yeah. and Booker, we're just going to be filling out the team with minimum contracts. There's that's the most likely scenario. Right. Even if Chris Paul is stretched, just the three players alone that we're talking about uh, are 133 million. So, um, in yeah. I, I think what we should do here maybe is go through like a little bit of an FAQ, which is here are some of the most yeah. obvious questions that I'm getting from, and I'm sure you're getting from a lot in your replies. Sure. Um, over the sure. past couple of days, so. Oh, where should where should we start? Okay, for let's start with the ba on the basketball yes. court. Are they a good fit together? Those three guys. Well, let's let's start here. I, I want to make it even more simple. Uh, okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. Are they a good fit? Um, I'm gonna should I answer first? I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, 
Yeah. They'll figure it out. <laughs> like there are three, yeah, there are three <laughs> unselfish basketball players who are true three level scores. All three of them can put pressure on the rim. All three of them shoot in the mid range. All three of them hit pull up threes. They would give us ethical, the most ethical buckets one could ever imagine. I think that they would figure it out. Brad Beal has had some defensive concerns in the past, but I think a lot of those are related to similar to what we saw from Devin Booker. At, uh, funnily enough, with the Suns. Um, the amount of offensive load he was carrying on a team that didn't really give a shit about making the playoffs for the past couple of years. And I think you could get Beal to buy in. Uh, yes, he is a little bit undersized, but I think you could get him to buy into Frank Vogel's defensive scheme, whatever that ends up being, uh, to the point where he is at least an average defender on a team that truly cares about winning. Booker, no concerns about his defense, especially after what I saw from him in the playoffs. KD, no concerns about his defense. I think you've got three two-way players who are really, really high-level players. The question is just, can you keep them on the court? But if you can keep them on the court, if you can keep them healthy, if at the very least you can guarantee that for almost the entire season or for, for virtually every game, at least two of those three guys is playing, you're going to have a really great chance to win every single game. The Suns are going 82-0. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> there's a possibility here of three offensive players who can score from anywhere on the floor and are good playmakers for other players. And, okay. you know, I don't know. That's F a great FAQ, fit. That's just a really FAQ great fit. question number two. Related. Okay. Who plays point guard? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a great question. It could be Devin Booker, and they could just play either Devin Booker or Brad Beal at the three and uh, and still have a point guard on the team. So there's a possibility that they trade DeAndre in and Landry Shamit. They waive Chris Paul and then re-sign him on a minimum deal. Chris Paul stays, and they start a starting lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Brad Beal, Kevin Durant and fill in the blank. <laughs> Jock Landale, I don't know, somebody at center. There is a possibility. Jock Landale, um, um, you know, his Twitter bio is like just a bench player talking like a starter or whatever. He might have to change might yeah. have to change that pretty soon because he could be playing 30 <laughs> minutes a game next year. It could be Biz, you know, starting at center too. You know, just start Biz at center, let him roll to the basket and, you know, teams will foul him as much as they want. Um, but the point is they could potentially start with Chris Paul if they don't end up trading Chris Paul for Brad Beal and they waive him and sign him on a smaller deal because I think keeping him at his $30 million if they end up with Brad Beal is sort of untenable when it comes to the other options here. The salary uh, is pretty crazy in, in that case. It's $146 million, mm -hmm. and then they could still sign Chris Paul at a minimum deal so they'd be probably at close to $150 million right away and that's just four players <laughs> eating up $150 million of your salary yes. so after it's all said and done they'd still be over that second year. Okay. F... Which, by the way, might not matter because it's it might just be minimum players yeah. anyway. If it's just minimum players, yes, it does limit you in other yeah. ways. But for this year, I'm just not sure it matters that much. I, I just can't. I can't really envision a a, a better roster. Well, <laughs> an easier roster construction. It's going to be hard any way you slice it, right? Exactly. Like, That's the scenario the Suns are looking at. That's a, the context that a lot of people who are looking unless at this we can find unless we can find a team like the Spurs or Hornets that will let like absorb DeAndre Ayton into cap space for us, which isn't going to happen. Then. Um, then, well, then at least we'd have a full mid-level exception and a biannual exception and whatever, but no, you well, won't. If you, but you but really if you won't. wave, if you wave and stretch Chris Paul and do all that, I'm saying like there are avenues to do it. Okay. Without Beal. Okay. Yeah. Without Beal. Without, without Beal. Beal yes. I'm talking about without okay. Beal. 
Um, you could do it. You could find a way to get there. But even then, it's going to be like, okay, we have one mid-sized contract at $12 million. Right. We have one biannual no exception at $4 million. <laughs> All minimum contracts yeah. and no Bradley Beal. And this brings me to FAQ question number three, which is people asking themselves, are these guys fucking stupid? Uh, how, how are you going to fill out the rest of the roster with just minimum contracts? And that's a great question. It's a, it's, that is it's a, a very wonderful fair question, question and it's a fair question. Um, but I would point at the uh, culture of ring chasing in the NBA as something that will favor the Suns yeah. and will favor the Suns even more so uh, in a reality where they have Bradley Beal. And suddenly there are going to be players, it might take until July, like late July, early August, until the, the free agent market dries up a bit and there are some guys kind of left out there who realize, oh, there's not really a spot for me where I'd want it to go initially. But there are going to be players who are not worth only $2 million, who in a vacuum might be worth 5 or $10 million, that suddenly yeah. are willing to come to a team for a veteran minimum that are going to have a very small short list of teams they're willing to go to. And I guarantee you, the Suns are going to be at the top of that list for a lot of guys um, if they're just role players who can go play with three of the best scorers in the NBA. Right. Yeah, start Kevin Love. Ke- Kevin Love. You, know? you want, you yeah. want, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We talked about Dylan Brooks on the Patreon pod. I don't know if this is happening or not. Yeah. But supposedly Dylan. It makes more sense with Beal. I'm, I'm on the record as saying I don't think Dylan Brooks is worth more than a veteran minimum contract. Evidently, a lot of people in the NBA space, based on conversations I've had, disagree with me. A lot of people think he's more of an MLE candidate or at the very least a taxpayer MLE candidate. I think. And he thinks he's a $20 and million. And he thinks he's a $40 million guy. I think the offensive yeah. concern. <laughs> are way too much for that but i'm willing to recognize that he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the nba and if suddenly a guy like that is willing to swallow his pride a little bit and play on a team like ours for a minimum contract i'm not saying it's going to be dylan brooks necessarily i'm just saying there are situations or scenarios like that that could open up for phoenix that would be great for us and are not just going to happen for every team in the league it's going to be because the suns have made a a full win now commitment with uh with kevin duran and bradley beal so the options for the Suns to fill out their roster, if it's, you know, say it's Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, then you still keep DeAndre and you trade DeAndre and maybe you get two good players that can play in the playoffs for them. That is now you have five good players on the team and then it's all minimum contracts from there. So what are the options if you don't do that? If you don't trade for Bradley Beal, right? It's, it's essentially what you were talking about, Sam. Now you're talking about, I don't know, trading Chris Paul and DeAndre in getting three playoff players, maybe four playoff players. So then you have six guys who can play in the playoffs plus a bunch of minimums. You know, it's not, I don't know what's better. This is up to you to consider. I think people who are listening to yeah. this, I think the idea of having another potential star and minimum contracts makes more sense because you, st- and you still have the opportunity of trading DeAndre Ayton potentially, At- uh, you know, there's just, I think there's some flexibility with the scenario of Brad Beal having that no trade clause that just wouldn't exist without that. You know, we're in a scenario where this is the best possible time to trade for somebody like Brad mm-hmm. Beal. At the end of the day, you've got a lot of people questioning uh, the Suns' depth, talking about why don't they have any depth, and and ultimately some fans who are even coming down on the KD and, and this potential Beal trade. Uh, but if you look at it, we're talking about a possible universe where the Suns trade Cameron Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, a bunch of picks, Chris Paul, and Landry Shamit. Okay, so four four rotation players. One of them sucks. Really, three rotation players that you could trust in the playoffs. Uh, and a bunch of picks for Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, 
Two of the best yeah. superstars. I mean, okay, like maybe overrating Beal a little bit, but two stars in the NBA. You're not sacrificing all of your depth there. If the Suns have sacrificed their depth, it's not because of the KD trade. It's not because of what would be a Chris Paul and Landry Shamit swap. It's it's right, the, right. Landry Shamit. I never want to watch again. I don't want him on the team regardless. <laughs> you know? If the Suns, yeah. if the Suns have sacrificed, let's just be very clear. If the Suns have sacrificed their depth, which they have, and it is going to be difficult for them to replenish it, it's because the chickens have come home to roost on James Jones pursuing a multi-year strategy in which he always ignored the draft. He didn't do nearly enough after the team got bounced in the right, playoffs right. after um, after they lost to the Mavs, not using the full mid-level exception. It's James Jones's fault for a number of reasons, no doubt. But it's not the fault of the KD trade, which was a pretty good trade. It was actually great value for us, and it wouldn't be the fault of this Bradley Beal trade either, which is like, like just a, a completely ridiculous value when you talk about two guys <laughs> who, who more or less suck. So... I don't know. It's yeah. just I understand the depth concerns, but the depth concerns aren't because of these two players. It's like it's been building much longer than that towards this situation. Right. And these are complaints about a GM who could potentially basically flip draft picks he doesn't care about into three absolute stars. And I think, you know, the idea of Matt Ishbia is probably exciting to some um players too just because seeing an owner who, who desperately wants to win and will do whatever it takes including paying an assistant coach two million dollars or something like that or and I think James Jones has a good reputation with players too so if we're talking about a position where it's Devin Booker Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and now you're trying to fill out the rest of the roster it's not the worst case scenario here they have invested in their coaching staff invested in their arena invested in their players and look here we are and that's what it's going to be and I it's just to me it's it'd be different if we were talking about like the the package that we sent for Kevin Durant for Bradley Beal. Oh yeah, like if you traded because we're just if not, you traded Mikael you know? Bridges and Cam Johnson for Bradley Beal and like even one pick, that's a losing package. But we're not we're not talking yeah. about that. That's not what this is. Would the Suns be in a more difficult situation if you know beyond this year? Yeah, you know they would. They really would. It's a lot of money, and you can't trade Bradley Beal without his permission, meaning that if you trade him again, you're probably going to get similar value to Chris Paul and Landry Shamit in a trade for uh, in a trade for Bradley Beal in the future, you know, because you got to need his permission. So that does complicate things in the future. But, you know, having a complicated cap situation with three amazing players is often what results in an NBA title in the NBA that, you know, that's just what it is. That's what happened with the warriors, for example, or even if you look at the nuggets, they have three guys on max uh, contracts ex- too. Me, Mike, the, the nuggets have culture. They actually, they built it themselves. <laughs> I'll have, you know, uh, by the way, just an aside, but if we get Bradley Beal, there's already a whole side discourse that's starting about KD people on Twitter are being like, we really need to have a conversation about KD as if people aren't having a conversation about KD every day. Anyway, that man's name is constantly <laughs> brought up. There's always well, the, there's uh, a perpetual conversation about KD happening online. And the conversation always revolves around how he should want to play on worse teams. Is that what it is? If there's, there's going to be a really fascinating right? Kevin Durant's flaw is that he likes to play with good there's players. There's going to be a really fascinating thing that happens that Suns fans should just be prepared for. And who gives a shit? Like, let's just win games and win a championship, right? But, like, if we get Bradley yeah. Beal, if we get Bradley Beal, if the Suns win, people are going to be like, 
well, obviously they won. They have Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. Like everyone, knew. and if if they Good. lose, people are the same people are going to be like, "Well, I told you so." They didn't have any depth. How how stupid? And they how should. stupid was that? <laughs> everyone knew they were going to yeah. lose. They didn't have any depth. Of so course. I'm just saying, people should be prepared for those two conversations because it's going to happen, and it's going to come from the exact same voices. Watch them flip flop back and forth throughout the se- uh, the season. It'll be hilarious to watch. Cap gurus out there, I would love to hear your opinions on David. I know you're, if you're listening and anyone else who is familiar with the cap, the way I calculated it, if the Suns waive Chris Paul, keeping that $15.8 million on their books and trade Aiton and Shamit, it's $146 million of salary with just Beal, the waived amount. Because there is a scenario, I just want to mention this, if they do end up trading Aiton and Shamit and you no longer have Aiton as that trade asset, you do still have Chris Paul as a trade asset or if you're looking at what you could trade Chris Paul for and say, actually, I think it would be better if we waive him and just re-sign him on a minimum deal, there is that scenario too, right? You trade Aiton and Shamit, but you keep Chris Paul, and now you have those four mm-hmm. guys under contract, Chris Paul on a minimum deal, but you have to pay him, whatever, $17 million a year, essentially, right. for this yeah. year. Yeah, There is that scenario. There's also the scenario where you trade Aiton and Shamit, and you stretch Chris Paul, and that gets you up to 133 million. If you can find a way within that 133 million to stay under that second apron and keep the tax-paying mid-level exception, I'd like to hear it. I haven't quite figured that out. It's kind of a complicated um, scenario for me because, uh, yeah, it's just a complicated scenario. This is a new it's thing. Going to be a lot of a brand new CBA. a lot of unprecedented um, stuff going on. Um, I I yeah. want to give a morsel of hope to the people out there who have probably painfully been listening to this for the past half hour. So shout out to you. If you really don't like the idea of Bradley Beal, morsel of hope. We got to talk about the Miami heat in all of this. We do. Yeah. Because well, the heat, I mean, we yeah. no, but we do. Yeah. Because here's the critical difference. Bradley Beal with his no trade clause. If he turns around and says, you know what? Actually, I changed my mind. I'll only go to Phoenix. All right. Then he's ours for whatever we want. But right. if, if the situation remains as it currently stands, which is our current belief is that Bradley Beal is willing to go to the Phoenix Suns or the Miami Heat, and there could be a slight emphasis on slight bidding war between these two teams because neither of us have a whole lot to offer. What you can at least say about the Miami Heat that would be attractive to the Wizards is that they have first-round picks. They, and Tyler Hero. Who they don't want to give up. Right. And maybe, but they, and have they do. And maybe, right. <laughs> and maybe Beal wants to play with him. So maybe he would say no to that. Right. For the same reason that Kobe said, I want to... I would want to play with Luol Deng in 2007. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But at least, you know what Bradley Beal doesn't give a shit about? First round picks. He doesn't care if he plays with first round picks. Uh, but the Wizards right. might care. They have one, I believe. I thought I he, saw that they have two. Uh, now, I thought it was just 2028, I believe, if I'm, I'm not ch- mistaken. But I'm maybe you're ch- right. Um, well, in the meantime... If it's all things equal, like Brad Beal just says, I'll play for either one of those teams. You guys get what you can. You know, you gave me that no trade clause. You get what you can. The Suns are probably out of it. Yeah. They need Brad Beal to be on their side here, uh, especially if the Wizards really don't like Aiton, which is implied by Chris Haynes. Chris Haynes, by the way, if you read that tweet a different way, you could say, is Brad Beal saying that he'll only be traded to the Suns so if they don't? Miami has most of their first round picks. They've got a, t- they've got okay. a lot of second round picks outgoing, actually, which is really interesting. Almost all of their second round picks. Um, they've got a twenty. Well, they get undrafted guys better than most. So they've got they've anyway. got a twenty twenty five pick outgoing to OKC in the first round, but that means they've got their first rounder this year, and in twenty twenty seven and in twenty twenty nine. 
So they've got first round picks that they could offer. They they could potentially offer two first round picks. Right, right. The, they could, the difference they could. there with the Suns, the Suns obviously traded their 2023, 25, 27, and 29 picks for KD, as well as a 2028 swap. So the only first round picks that the Suns have are we could offer a pick swap in 2024 and in 2026. And pick swaps are... By the way... Yes. Is there a better team to offer a pick swap to than the Washington Wizards? Than the Washington, uh, they might. They almost always will have a higher pick than the Suns. Yeah, right? probably. Yeah, so it's like it's like offering them yeah. nothing really oh, for well, the Suns. And, yeah, like I don't care. But about I was that. also gonna say like you know just regardless if it's from the Suns' perspective or the Wizards, pick swaps are cool, uh, but they're more of a throw-in. That like the they don't give the, a shit. The, yeah. the value between a pick swap versus just the true first-round pick. Uh, it's not even comparable. If Phoenix is offering two pick swaps and Miami's offering two actual first round picks, regardless of the other contracts offered, that, in my opinion, is a much more attractive offer coming from Miami. So for the people who really do not want Bradley Beal, you need to hope that Bradley Beal really wants to go to Miami because from where I see it, Miami right. could still put together right. a more attractive offer. And actually, it brings up an even more interesting idea, conspiracy theory, if you will, that maybe. This is all uh, 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 an artificial bidding war that the Phoenix Suns are aiding the Washington Wizards in constructing. Well, or the Heat are aiding the Washington Wizards because that's happened but, before no, but, but, with Kevin no, Durant. No, but think about it. If Miami was the only suitor for Bradley Beal, they would not put two first-round picks on the table. They would say, here's Kyle Lowry, here's Victor Oladipo, yeah. take it or leave it. Right. What we know is that Bradley Beal. If we're aiding the Wizards, then they better give us. That's Kyle that's where I was going trade. with this. You jumped. You <laughs> fucking okay, jumped ahead. You. you jumped ahead. <laughs> why would the Suns? I appreciate your conspiracy. Why would the Suns this? join this bidding war? Why would they enable Washington to jack up the price to where suddenly Washington's going to get two first round picks? This is Washington's gonna, Washington's going to get two first round picks <laughs> for Bradley Beal that otherwise they would not get because Miami would be the only suitor. In return. They say, Phoenix, will help you out. Kyle Kuzma just declined his player option. He's going to be a free agent. We can't get you Bradley Beal, uh -huh. but we know Kyle Kuzma is interested in going to Phoenix. And we'll work out a sign-in trade for Kyle Kuzma on July 4th on fucking Excellent. Independence Day, baby. And the, and the Suns will brilliant. not get Bradley Beal. But maybe as a consolation prize for helping out, they'll get Kyle Kuzma instead. Absolutely brilliant. They would have to like DeAndre. They would have to like DeAndre. Aiden. So in the meantime, they <laughs> which tank tank commander wise, I mean, is there anyone better than DeAndre? Aiden? Give him the ball all you want. He's going to turn it over six times a game. He'll score twenty points, and then you could trade him for a first round pick in a year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'll lose every game if you give DeAndre in the ball thirty times. And a maybe game. it helps the Wizards right now to say to pretend that they don't like DeAndre. Aiden. Yeah. I mean, I like all of your conspiracy lines up. It's brilliant. It's perfect. It actually stuff helps here, them Sam. for I'm, Chris. I'm loving it every them part of it. For Chris Paul to put out the report through Chris Haynes, obviously, <laughs> to say that actually we're the Wizards and we want Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I mean, did you just come up with that now? Is that something you just put together during no, this no, podcast? No, no, no. Other people have come up with it too. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's not completely original. I'm not taking credit for it. But I no, it. I think I legitimately I it. think it makes a lot of sense. I legitimately think it would makes sense. Would you rather, if you were Brad Beal, would you rather play with uh, Bam and Jimmy or KD and Booker? Bam, Jimmy, and Tyler, I think. I legitimately say. think that either is pretty damn good. 
I think it's I think it's closer than a lot of people think. I yeah. More I, so just in the sense that I don't know what Brad values at this point in his I mean, I think he values winning. I would at least hope so. But like, you know, Miami really needs a score. Phoenix you could always use more scoring, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, no, watching them against watching them struggle to score against the uh, the Nuggets made made me really appreciate what Kevin Durant and Miami did against Miami team because Miami could not Miami score. One thousand percent needs this guy more than we do. All the more reason that yeah. maybe they would give up two first round picks and maybe even more for this guy if there right. were a bidding war. Let's not forget the fact, by the way, that who is Bradley Beal's agent, Mike? Right. It is the wait. It is the father, Mark Bartlestein. It is mm-hmm. the father. Yeah. Of the Suns CEO, Josh Bartlestein. Yeah, the Suns, the Suns' new CEO who was hired by Matt Ishbia. The collusion, the, way, the anything, potential collusion anything, is crazy here, folks. <laughs> if we're learning anything from this process, it's that Matt Ishbia is not out here doing the bare minimum here. He's maximizing here. Uh, he's, you know, when we're talking about each offseason, he's going to approach it in the way of what's the most I can do for the Suns right now. And this is the hu- hugest difference between. Sarver and Ishbia because every single scenario that the Suns are facing as far as we understand it when it comes to Matt Ishbia costs the most amount of money and he's putting it all on the table you got to appreciate having that at the very least because look I think this is going to be a lesson for you and I next offseason for example if we're looking at it and going okay how do we add whatever the equivalent of Gabe Vincent is next offseason we should probably throw that out the window and talk about whoever the next superstar is that could potentially be on the move because you just never know uh, with Matt Ishbia here. That's the lesson. Coming out hot. Coming out hot and blazing. And maybe it extends even beyond the Bradley Beal stuff too. Maybe Matt Ishbia is going to give us a a hell of a draft night on Thursday where he's going to be buying up all the picks in the second. We don't know. I feel like anything is on (laughs) the table with this guy right now. And uh, at the very least, you have to admit, it's a fun ride. It's a fun ride to be a Suns fan right now. It's very fun. And we're going to cover every part of it. If he's traded to the Suns or to the Heat, we'll be ready to cover that on the next podcast. If it's to the Suns, obviously an emergency podcast as soon as we can. And look, if there's anything else that comes out between now and then, we'll of course cover it here and on our Patreon podcast as well. So we'll be here for every part of it. The other thing happening soon, Sam, the NBA draft. The NBA draft is Thursday and the Suns do technically have a pick. So we're going to talk about that next after the break. We'll be joined by our friend Damon Allred, who is a draft expert who writes about the draft for Bright Side of the Sun and more places. So we'll take that break and we'll be back with a, a fun segment. We already recorded it, you know, for the record, <laughs> but a fun segment with Damon about the NBA draft. Thanks, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it's time for a draft conversation. This only happens basically between Sam and I, what, once, twice a year? Once right after the draft at the very least. That's when I feel comfortable. Once they're NBA players, I all of a sudden feel comfortable talking about them. Uh, but joining us to talk about this is our friend Damon. Damon, how are you doing? Super good. How are you guys? Uh, not bad. Wonderful. A little. Look, I admittedly was like, this is usually where I put some time into to looking into the draft right before it, Bill Simmons style. And um, and then the Beals, the Beal news dropped, and I just that's all I've been thinking about. <laughs> I can't focus on anything other than thinking about the prospect of uh, Beal joining the team. So I guess I'm a little behind, and you're going to take advantage of that right now, Damon, right? Yeah. Um, I guess Beal would be better than almost anybody in the class anyway, so <laughs> better to focus on him. Almost anyone. Uh, yeah, are you putting a big anyone. bet on Wemby there? Is that is that what I'm hearing? Um, I think Wemby and Scoot could both, in their primes, surpass Beal. But I would certainly I hope Wemby fair. can surpass Bradley Beal. I think that's based fair. On, yeah. Based on <laughs> yeah. some of the hype. Damon, I feel I, like uh, that's not a hot take. I have to ask you kind of one question to lead us off here. How do you do it? And <laughs> what I mean by that is, like, because... You're you're so into the draft process. You are truly a guy who knows your shit about this stuff. But you're also a Suns fan, um, or at least you also cover the Suns in some capacity. Um, is it is it accurate to say that you're a fan? Do you do you want to go by fan, or do you not want it? Do you want to shed that label? I'm not sure. I mean, I started point. as a fan. You started as a I, fan. Yeah, I don't know that I still have the level of a t- emotional attachment that I once did. Uh, you guys talk a lot about like how it doesn't affect your mood the next day as much anymore. And that's where I'm at, too. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it still does for me. But, you know, like I, I probably will never shed that label, I think. Um, but at least in the role that, that we're in, Mike and I, like we don't need to shed that label. I understand. I don't want to. Be, yeah. It could be totally different for you. Uh, but OK, at the very least, when you cover this team, this team specifically, how can you be a draft person? How can you justify being a draft person and not losing your mental sanity? Um, because oh. James Jones... <laughs> Four years now, in four years, that most teams yeah. have selected six, eight, ten players in the last four years. James Jones has taken two in Jalen Smith and Cameron Johnson. Don't forget about Ty Jerome, by the three way. Three Yes, Ty Jerome. <laughs> fair, fair enough. He's taken three if you include Ty Jerome. Yeah, so he's, as much as I love like the way he does a lot of things, it just drives me crazy every year where we get to... You know, we're done with all 60 or however many picks there are in what, whatever year, given, like, you know, the forfeitures that always happen. Um, we get to the end of the draft, and I'm like, great. I see five, ten guys that would look great in the Suns uniform developing long term. And then by the end of the night, all of them are signed with other teams. All of them are on the Grizzlies, yeah. It's- yeah, <laughs> and James Jones is just completely ignoring it. So right. there's a bit of Stockholm Syndrome here covering the draft for the Suns, I'd say. Yeah, see, for me, the defense mechanism there is to do exactly what Mike was saying. I don't do my research until a week or two before either, <laughs> so I feel like I can't get hurt. But it's just, it's hard in your position, man, because you get a certain attachment to guys, or at least you feel like you really, really know these prospects. I, I mean, to, to be fair, like, 
the part of the problem for the Suns was that the owner appeared to not be interested in paying any money for any sort of scouting. It's a good point. Uh, yeah, and and now that owner's gone, and as soon as he leaves, we have rumors that the Suns and, are looking to trade up in the draft as soon as the new owner enters his first draft. And the owner, by the way, very much a college basketball kind of guy. Right. Not <laughs> oh, yeah. feeling they're going to be more interested in the draft going forward. Not just a reputation, by the way, for not paying for scouting, if we're talking about Robert Sarver, but also the type of guy who historically, traditionally would sell picks for cash. Um, yeah. We don't know about Matt Ishbia, but at least everything we do know about him so far feels like he could be swinging in the opposite direction. Maybe he is the type of owner where suddenly we could be purchasing second round picks for cash in a draft like this. We just don't know yet. So could be a completely new ball game for us. We, we're we going to play a game. Um, and this is a game where Damon embarrasses us. Uh, Sam. <laughs> uh, Damon, you came up with a list of what we're calling two prospects and a lie, right? Yeah. This is to really demonstrate how stupid uh, we are, Sam. I love it. And, and it's a question as to why people listen to our podcast around draft time, I guess. The reason is for Damon, I guess. Uh, so, Damon, you have you prepared for this. I forgot we talked about this, by the way. You prepared for this by uh, preparing two real prospects and one fake prospect. You're going to list all three, and then it's up to Sam and I to guess which one is the fake one, correct? Yeah, and I, I'll give you where they come from and what position they play. And so you'll you'll have a little bit of context. <laughs> okay. Uh, do, we get any, do we get anything else like, you know, like draft range, first round, second round guy? And, or it's um, just... They all sort of have a trend and you'll see that kind of as we go. Okay. okay. All right. And, I, and I'm going to say it. that I have not looked at any mock drafts at all. I was counting entirely on Damon to fill me in on who I should be paying attention to on this podcast. Thanks to Brad Beal. And Sam, you have looked a little bit at it. I right? have looked a little bit, but I still am not like there's. Yeah. I, all right. I've perused. That's all. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> go ahead, Damon. Sweet. So in this first grouping, we have... Oh, and by the way, every grouping will have at least one guy who I'm looking at or has been reported as a target for the Suns. So, awesome. All right. So the first group we have is Millers. There's Leonard Miller, who's an Ignite forward, Jordan Miller, who is a Miami wing, and Pat Miller, who is a Baylor center. <laughs> I'm, I'm so screwed. <laughs> two of those sound fake to me Leonard and Pat I mean Jordan so, Miller sounds like a real player's name but I have no idea if that's that's actually true or can not. I knock one guy off the board who I know it's not sure go ahead Leonard Miller is real I know that one uh, okay yeah. Leonard you're helping Mil me out Leonard Miller is real can you tell me can you tell us a little about him maybe when we do do this Damon like <laughs> I I, I want to say he's no. athletic he's like a forward center from my recollection wait I can't really wait no wait wait, wait wait what if I'm gonna say he's fake Let, let's put in our votes first Sam okay yeah I'm gonna say Pat Miller is fake I'm gonna say Jordan Miller is fake <laughs> Mike is correct this time oh my fuck <laughs> All right, it's kind of not the draft acceptable. Guy now? Not acceptable for me to lose this game when I've at least seen a board. Um, <laughs> which guy? Okay, which of the three? Before we move on, which of the three are you thinking for the Suns? So Leonard Miller is the ignite forward, and like you were saying, Sam, he's athletic. He's really, really versatile on offense. He's like six ten with a seven two wingspan, and really can play any two through four position on the on the offensive side. Um, he's currently mocked to go 26th to Indiana and Indiana is one of those spots that we've talked yes. about 
Um, they have picks 26, 29, and 32. So those could all be plus, possible like cash considerations, trades, and things like that. Yeah, plus their standard lottery pick. I forget exactly where that is too, right? So there's, there's seven, yeah. There's no way that India, I mean, who knows? But there's no way, at least in my opinion, that they need 26, 29, and 32. They're one of the clear candidates that you look at um, in a trade-up scenario. Definitely. Um, interesting, and I appreciate being ahead of you, Sam. I'm going to say I would have probably guessed Leonard Miller had you not said anything. So if you're trying to win, Sam, keep that in mind as we go to this next question here. Sure, that's fine. Um, can, can I just ask about Leonard Miller? So first of all, love the G League Ignite program. Um, good stats here across the board. Can he play center? Is, is this like a small ball center situation, or is he more is the hope that he's more of a forward with kind of a little bit of ball skills? going forward well so he's pretty narrow um which would be the biggest concern right off the bat um he's also more of like he's got light feet so it's not someone that you want to put back there at center because you want to use that length to guard out on the perimeter since he can um but i guess given some time and given some time in a weight room specifically that it could be something he does just in small ball stretches here and there like he's He's not going to be much different in build than Kevin Durant, except being a couple inches shorter, but like it's that sort of build. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm seeing here 213 um, as his weight. Obviously, that's going to be tiny if you try and stick him at center right now, but if he fills out that frame a little bit, um, I guess I just wanted to ask about that. That's obviously the sexy thing that everyone loves to have, player who can guard positions like, I don't know, three through five and and sort of play multi-positionally. Yeah, and I I will say, he's someone that I have ranked much higher than he's ranked consensus. I think I've had him lottery just about all cycle. Okay, cool. Uh, Let's do it. Next one. So this next group is the UCLA Jays. So we've got Jaden Collins, who is a wing, Jaime Jaquez, who is a forward, and Jalen Clark, who is a guard, and they're all from UCLA. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so screwed in this game. Can you say all three of their names again? Yeah, Jaden Collins, Jaime Jaquez Jr., and Jalen Clark. I'm going to vote. I'm going to just put my... This is, of course, just a random guess in Jalen Clark. Sam, what do you think? Um, What was the first guy's name again? (laughs) Jaden Collins. You better not be Googling anything here. No, 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 no. Okay, so again, (laughs) the the middle one, Jaime Jaquez, I know. Um, so it's I mean, be- that'd be a crazy name just to make up out of thin air. I mean, that's, that's why I didn't that would be a, that, that would be a sick name yeah. to make up. Jaime Jaquez, I know, <laughs> and Jaime Jaquez, uh, I've, I've watched a little bit of his game, actually, and he looks pretty intriguing. So it's between one and three. Um, I don't know anything about Jalen Clark, if he exists. So, again, what was the first name? <laughs> it's Jaden Collins. It's Jaden Collins, dude. I don't know who that is. I, I don't know who that is. And, Mike, you guessed who? The third one. I forget his name. Clark? Jalen Clark. Clark. Yeah. Jalen Clark. So Sam's right this okay. time. <sighs> okay. Okay. We got okay. a tie. Which is, the guy, which is the guy you're interested in for the Suns? So Hawkes is a guy that Kellen Olsen has already talked about a lot in his mock-off seasons. Kellen Olsen? Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know <laughs> and, that guy. Um, he's just a, a real staple in the Pac-12 these last couple years, giving ASU a lot of bad nights. So if there's some overlap between... Your audience. That's why Kellen likes him, right? Yeah, I'm sure of it. And what is he? What is he like? I don't know anything about him, so feel free. Yeah, so he's like a six eight, six nine type post forward sort of inside out game, where he he can play make a lot, 
in addition to that, but he's mostly your inside craft kind of guy. Gets a lot of buckets. Isolation scorer, right? Like, that's that's his big thing? Mm-hmm. A lot of spin moves, a lot of putting his back into the opponent. I just, like I, it's it's interesting him to me because, like, it's not an archetype that you see a lot at coming out right. of college basketball, at least to be drafted in the, in the second round or whatever, which no, yeah. makes him really interesting to me. Also, he's got older, some really high field playmaking. Uh, I don't remember exactly how old he is. Is he 22, 23? But, right? Something like that. He was a four-year 22. player. 22, yeah. That's a James Which, Jones candidate. It is. That's right? true. Any player, I, mean, I feel like any player who's a four-year guy got to be considered at least a little bit. From a blue blood, too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the idea of uh, a 6'6 shooting guard type player playing on a team with Devin Booker and Bradley Beal is just funny to me, by the way. Uh, he, he just step in there and do whatever those guys do. Uh, in those plays, and that would be interesting. But you say he's a he's a high level playmaker. Is he is he someone who could potentially play point guard, or is it just a good playmaker at his position, which will be more of a wing? More positionally, yeah. Um, is there anything? Is there any shooting upside here? I'm just looking at the stats now. Two point eight three point attempts uh, per game this season, only thirty two percent. Obviously, much more of a, a mid range score and decent free throw shooting splits here uh as well you know they say good free throw shooting at the college level sometimes you can project forward based on that um but can he i don't know like what did he look like as a spot-up shooter did he not really take a lot of catch and shoot threes in college yeah so i'm just pulling up the the synergy page real quick so i can see the the catch numbers the synergy Um, page he's got yeah sorry to name drop (laughs) give a shout out to him because he's mexican and that would be fun to have in phoenix (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see, catch and shoot. He shot 34.9% on catch and shoot threes. Okay. Not so, great. <laughs> That's, yeah. it, I would say work in progress there. It's, co- it's college though, yeah, right? Um, That's like a good shot in college. He was 41.7% when they were open though, so there's that. Is it fair oh, to say that this would be like the ethical buckets move, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like He's like the most ethical. Yeah, who scores the most? Who would you compare him to in the NBA? Oh, God, we're doing this? We're doing yeah. NBA comparisons? That's what I need. I'm going to give one. Is it like Austin Reeves? Is that what we're saying? Or is this like... Uh... No, because it's more like towards the rim than that. Okay, that's interesting. Um... Who's, who's, like a, who's like a big wing isolation score in the nba like i just feel like there aren't in a lot the of post especially like, like a too. harrison barnes like early career harrison barnes like what what is this guy no he's a lot more physical than harrison Interesting. yeah he's kind of a unique guy it's hard to think of someone i appreciate you not giving one if there's not a good one though yeah because, that's respect uh, for that. espn wouldn't let you do that yeah um, they would just say he's um, lebron james i'd be like looking, is there any other mexican player to compare him to <laughs> i do have the ringer mock draft yeah, page Devin up Booker. here just as we as we do list names so that I can see a little bit about them just in terms of measurables. And Kevin O'Connor would have you're you believe. You're cheating already. That's not cheating. No, I'm not <laughs> looking. We still have one more to do. <laughs> I'm not looking at it until we, until after the, the segment. So I didn't look okay, him, okay, his name okay. up. I'm not cheating. <laughs> uh, Kevin O'Connor here says shades of Kevin McHale impressionist. So take, <laughs> oh my take, goodness. Take what that, in the world? Take from that what you will. <laughs> Okay. I will not take from well, that. Well, you did say post. Uh, so yeah, he's yeah. A post All right, let's, let's, do, let's do the next one, and then we'll get into some more general questions about this draft. So this final one is a group of Keontes. We have Keontae Johnson, who is a Kansas State guard, Keontae Bradley, an Alabama forward, okay. and Keontae George, a Baylor guard. I mean, 
Those sound all real to me, so I'm just going to say this second one. <laughs> For the record, is this is this the last one, Damon? Is this the last yeah. section? I also think it's the second one. You guys are both right. Okay. Oh, we nailed it. And yeah. I just guessed you had some. So, so we tied Sam. Oh, I knew, I knew for sure it was Keontae <laughs> Johnson. I didn't know who the third guy was, but the second one felt a little iffy to me. So yeah, we actually tied. We did not plan this out folks. I promise. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And who, which one of these guys do you think uh, would fit on the suns? So Keontae George would be really fun, but he's probably going to go in the lottery. He's like a pull-up shooter. He'll be a lot of fun to watch in the league. Keontae Johnson is the guy who, um, I'm not sure if you guys know the story, but he actually collapsed on the court Mm -hmm. during a game. I remember this. Because of some heart problems. He, like a week or two ago, I think, was cleared by the NBA to, like, he got the green light and he's good to go. He took a year or two off in between and got back to being really effective last year at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they got to like the Elite Eight in March Madness, and he was a big reason why. He's like a power guard. Um, would be really fun on the bench. So he's an older player in that case, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. he's like he's, 23, 24. He's like 23 because technically he was a part of Florida's program for four years, and then, but then because he missed, like, I don't know, did he officially read? Right? Yeah, because of... Yeah, yeah, but medical um, hardships and things. Yeah, because of medical hardships and things, he was able to transfer. Um, so he spent his last year at Kansas State. This guy's a shooter, right? I've I've definitely seen some clips of him. Um, he shot forty one percent from deep this year at Kansas State. Only three point two attempts per game, so like not a ton. Um, but I've seen some clips just just looking really really solid in terms of his mechanics, like off the catch, right? So it feels like. I don't know, oldest player in the draft. I don't know if he's the oldest player in the draft. <laughs> he probably, yeah. One of the oldest players in the draft who played at multiple programs over like five total years. Yeah. Uh, good shooter. It sounds like a James Jones guy. Good shooter. Saying, right? Kind of feels yeah. like a, I'm not going to compare About him. James Jones's height. Yeah. About James Jones's height. I'm not comparing him literally to Cameron Johnson because I don't know like if his game is really like that, Damon. You could tell me. But it feels like there are similarities that would lend towards uh, a Suns pick here. Yeah, so he's like 6'6", uh, 220, 230-ish, probably. He's a, a pretty broad-framed guy and just really powerful when he's driving, too. Gets the free throw line a lot. Um, and a guy we're going to talk about a bit later, though, actually, I think is even older, Des Cambridge, the former Sun Devil, who's at least 24. Okay. Ah, cool. there you go. So when you're when it, where is he mocked if he were to be drafted? Um, Keontae Johnson, I'm not sure. I didn't see his mock, but I, okay. he's he second, would be in second round, second round sure. range. Yeah, okay. second yeah round. he's 45 on mine. Okay, so he could be around where the Suns are picking, were they to not trade up. Yeah. Okay. So I guess or, my question is... Or knowing is, so James Jones, perhaps he trades... Trade up and still pick him anyway? He trades for Indiana's <laughs> 26th pick and takes him, takes the 45th yeah. guy hey, on the board. Hey, get who you want. Get who you want. Um, <laughs> if he's good, it works out, right? Where so there are rumors that the Suns want to trade up late first round, early second round range, um, and you know they may or may not do that. They don't have a lot of assets to play with. I'm not exactly sure how they would do it. You know, taking advantage of a team like Indiana is a good example. But when you look at the draft, Damon, and you look at where they are, 52nd, and say they trade to 35th, what is the difference between those two picks? Is it a massive difference in the type of prospects they can get? Or a small difference? 
between 52 and like 35-ish. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bit of a drop-off around 40, 45 in terms of prospect you're going to get in this class. And in the late 20s, early 30s especially, you'll find a lot of guys that are like some win now, um, wings and guards, sometimes some bigger guys too, but mostly wings that can really help a playoff team right now. That's why you're seeing things like Denver trading their protected 2029 pick for 37 and some other stuff. Just trying to get up there into that range where there are those win now guys that can help you immediately on good contracts too, especially because Phoenix is going to be so hamstrung by their cap situation. It'll be important to see where they can find, you know, the marginal differences. Um, I just want to attach some some data to it because I actually saw something interesting <clears throat> earlier this week. This was actually from David Locke. Um, but uh, <laughs> put some data on the last 15 years of the NBA draft to determine pick position and exactly what your chances are to get a starter, an NBA starter level player um, out of depending on what pick you have. Uh, they found that picks 21 to 30, so late first round, generated roughly a 25% chance of getting a starter out of that. Um, if you go down to picks 40 through 60, so the back half of the second round, or obviously that includes 52nd where the Suns will be if they don't look up, uh, if they don't move up, it was just a 3% chance at a starter. I don't know exactly. I'm sure there was more to it um, in terms of some of the other outcomes. Uh, but I think that kind of just demonstrates the difference right there also, Mike, right? Like a 3% yeah. chance uh, at, at getting a starter. And, you know, look, we have reasonable expectations. If we stay at 52, I think we're all not, we're not expecting that to be the next Jokic drafted during a, a, a Taco Bell commercial, right? Mm-hmm. We're just hoping for a guy who can maybe play some minutes. Yeah. Um, and during a Burger King commercial is what we... Right. No, right? this year it'll certainly yeah. be during a Burger King commercial for yeah. sure. Um, they've kind of been uh, cornering the market. Um, but but no, just a, a 3% chance uh, at being a starter out of that position is is really not very good. Even your chances of getting like a Herb Jones type, it feels like. Like the Herb Joneses or the Malcolm Brogdons or a lot of the second round candidates that you think of who go on to become consistent playoff rotation starters in their careers are often taken 30 to 40, much more often than they're taken, say, 40 or 45 to 60. Right. And and Damon, when you think about this, I think the best way to approach it is if they were not to trade up, let's hear about, let's say three prospects in the range that they currently have, 52. Maybe some of them are already players that you've mentioned. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll flip that over to if they were to trade up, what players are you keeping an eye on? So if they stay at 52, um, we'll, we'll throw Keontae Johnson into that category a bit. All right. But we'll... So the, a couple of guys that they've worked out already. Um, one of them is Imani Bates, who is like the super high-profile high school star when he was in high school that kind of flamed out as soon as he got to Memphis just because he reclassified and entered college a year early. So this is technically like his freshman year, even though he's a sophomore at Eastern Michigan this past year. And he is about what you would have expected based on the early scouting on him back in high school, which is he gets buckets, and that's that's about it. Sam he doesn't called him do a, a ton else. Sam called him a loser well, on our last podcast. Do I you did, think he's a loser? <laughs> I did say that, but let me just def- <laughs> wait, 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 let me just defend that real quick. I'm not necessarily saying that Amani Bates 
like the person is a loser. What I meant, and I may have misspoke, was Eastern Michigan. Like I looked at their roster, they went eight and twenty-three this season, and they so lost a lot of games. They, yeah. they, he, he played losing. He's literally a loser. He literally played losing <laughs> basketball, and so it seems, Damon. I guess the question is, it seems weird to me to put a lot of stock into a guy who played inefficient basketball as the leading scorer on a terrible college program <laughs> and maybe that's why he's at the back half of the second round right but like doesn't that explain a lot of the 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 concerns about him is that where it kind of comes from yeah there there's also the the concern um between his freshman and sophomore seasons he had a, a gun charge that was dropped where he had a gun in i believe it was a borrowed car glove department and so we got in trouble for that. That's that's not that much of an issue dropped. if you if you ask Adam Silver. Honestly, we oh, can yeah. we can wave that away with without too much of a suspension. <laughs> right. It's actually better than using uh, steroids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that if I'm not mistaken, and I'm double checking this right now, if if I can get to it quick enough, but I think that they won even fewer games the year before he got there. I think they were like five win team. Ooh. So, okay. Okay. so, he's so he, he'll add three wins to the Suns. Is Positive impact. Yeah. Three wins to he's 57 wins would be 60 wins. Right. So, <laughs> okay. or whatever, however many they won last year. Um, is he supposedly friends with Kevin Durant? It appears he right? is friends so. with Kevin Durant. Yeah. How do did you that consider happen? if they draft him? Do you consider it a measurement of how much control Kevin Durant has over this organization? Or do you think it would be an okay draft pick regardless of his relationship with Kevin Durant? I think it'd be a good draft pick either way. Okay. I I wouldn't ignore the the fact that they're close though. Like I mean, it's the fifty second pick. Um, right, right. So you're taking a swing, basically. Yeah, I guess my, okay. my his upside is, is much higher than fifty second. What is the role for a guy like that? On a team? Jordan Clarkson on a de- really okay. You think he can come in future and be MVP? A Jordan yeah. Clarkson type, <laughs> maybe bench MVP. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah, I guess I can. He's taller than Clarkson, right? Does he play any defense? Does he play any defense? Not really. <laughs> Frank, Frank Vogel will fix him. He's fixing yeah. everyone oh, out there. Okay. That's, what, right. that's our theory here. Uh, okay, that's two guys. What's your third guy in that range that you would point out? Um, so the third guy is someone that I've written about already, Mike Miles Jr. from TCU. He's a point guard. He's, I think, one of the smallest players in the class at just it's barely a, it's over. It's a good six point foot. guard name. I'm just gonna point out. Just oh, seems yeah. like a point. That just sounds like a point guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he he plays a good point guard game too. Like he had full control over the TCU offense, and they were a pretty solid team for most of the year. Um, another guy who has hurt ASU fans because he knocked them out of the first round of the March Madness. Ah, okay. And he was the biggest reason why. He was getting to the free throw line a ton. And I saw other games of him where he was just getting to the rim at will. He would be one of the rim pressure guys that you guys are so deeply seeking. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Uh, 11. So 12 field goal attempts per game uh, for Mike Miles Jr. here at TCU. 6.3 free throw attempts per game. That is a good ratio for a point guard. That is is quite a lot of rim uh, rim pressure. I'm not going to lie. Um, only yes. two point seven assists. Uh, how is he? I'm just just throwing things out based on kind of my first look. Box how is score, he, yeah, yeah, just based on box score. How is he as a a playmaker? Would you say? Um, really good. He was just asked to do a lot of the scoring for TCU. They didn't have a ton of like scoring play finishers. It was mostly just a couple creators, and that was about it. Gotcha. All okay. right. 
And uh, he's a it, guy that could also develop into like the long-term starting point guard too. I'm really high on him. Interesting. Where is he on your board? On my board, he's probably in the 30s or 40s. Okay. But he is. I'm hearing reports that he might not get drafted, hmm. um, which I I think is just a an indictment on his size and right, age. Right, right. But I really can't see any reason other than that that. If the Suns have a chance to take him at 52, I think they should. And if the Suns were to move up, who are you keeping your eye on? So we've got a pretty big list. Um, it's almost every guy in that range. Hawkes <laughs> and Miller are two of the guys we've already talked about. All right, all right. Um, but Jordan Walsh is, yep. this is someone one I that, like. One of the yeah. only players I know anything about. Yeah, you brought up the Herb Jones archetypal comparison. They're just about the same size, and Walsh is a really good like big wing stopper. That's his projection. And let me just explain that a little bit, too. I think that there is an element of if you're picking later in the draft, which I still consider this later, second round, for example, early second round, which is where he's about mocked, uh, I think there is a benefit to choosing guys that have really high defensive upside and then thinking that maybe your program Mm-hmm. could help fix their offense to get them to a point where they're at least okay at corner threes yeah, or when, something that makes them playable in the NBA. You're, you're you talking about I mean? guys who already have kind of a lot of the intangibles and, and defensive IQ stuff exactly. down. Um, right. And and with a lot of these guys who are maybe mocked in this range, it's like oftentimes they can be athletes, but they're maybe not the most impressive athletes compared to a lot of guys who are taken in the lottery. But yeah, if it's just a question of he's got a broken jumper, uh, you can you can often fix. I mean, you can't always fix that like to the extent where they become yeah. a creator at the NBA right. level. But if it's just shooting corner threes, I mean, case in point, this is what the Suns are trying to do with Ish Wainwright, and right. it's kind of worked. I mean, I won't. Well, he's say gotten it's, better. I won't say it's worked to the point where Ish is now one of our like. I wouldn't trust Ish with playoff minutes exactly, but um, he has gotten better, uh, and and they've worked like hell with that uh with him over the past couple of years so and and i think there's a just a difference in in just overall thought process when it comes to drafting when you have kevin durant and devin booker and when you don't you know the amount of gravity the amount of offensive attention that those guys can bring means that it would be okay to pick guys that are sort of specialists like this with the hope that wide open threes will be okay for them it's kind of the idea that they had around josh Kogi as well um, so I, I like this idea with Jordan Walsh um, as a potential prospect. I think it just makes a lot of sense. And, and it's something that I pointed out to you, Damon, when we were talking in DMs a few weeks ago, that this is what I think the Suns could do if they were picking in this range. Um, who else you got? Well, first, before we move on, it is worth, uh, it's worth noting that Walsh does have quite a bit of work to do on that jumper. He shot 25.8% from three on catch and shoots. And... 29.2% when they were open. So, a lot of work to be done there. Let's yeah, it's go. not great. Andre Roberson, like let's go. Let's say he, he's at small ball center or Kevin Durant's at center, and he's the only one diving to the rim. It might it might be okay or it might be acceptable at that, at what that did, point. What did, okay, now you've got me curious. What did Herb Jones shoot his last year in college? I'm going to look it up. I feel like it was bad, right? Herb Jones, his final year. Well, his offense has not been very good in the NBA. Too, I know, I mean. but he's he's but he's fine. Like he can still get minutes. He's not like thirty five percent. His final year. Okay, he shot thirty five percent on fifty seven total attempts. <laughs> the, the year before, he shot seven seven percent on <laughs> fourteen attempts. So basically, Herb Jones, yeah. while he was in college, was not taking threes. 
Anyway, yeah. my there's a difference though between what Herb Jones is currently doing in the NBA and like Matisse Thibel, who is another defensive specialist, but who literally, you know, can't hit the broadside of a barn. Like there's there's levels to it. If you can shoot 33% on open catch and shoot threes and you're a great defensive player, I think we can find a role for you. If you draft Matisse Thibel in this draft in the second round, you did a good job. That might be Andre Jackson. Uh, you know, is, that's, is that's one other guy who I've heard um, some stuff about. Damon, I don't know if you have any opinions on him, but another like defensive specialist who can't play offense at all, right? Well, he can play make a good amount. Um, he was probably UConn's second or third playmaking option on their championship team. And he connects the offense that way. Does a lot, a bit of rim stuff too, but not much beyond that. Yeah. All right. Um, who else do you have in that range? Um, one guy I really like is Derek Whitehead, who falls into the Leonard Miller category of I have no idea why he's being mocked so low. He's at 30 right now from ESPN, and he's another guy that I have in my lottery. Um, he's kind of like a do-it-all 3 and D wing who has a little more of that creation upside. Right. Um, I think if not for a couple foot injuries that he's had since graduating high school, that maybe he would be a top 10 pick even. Because um, one of them was like during Duke's training camp, mm-hmm. and so he didn't even start the season on time, and... For freshmen, that can just be really hard trying to get up to speed to the new game and everything. And so he kind of had a lackluster freshman year, but when he was looking his healthiest, he looked like that player that I think he can be. It's a little surprising because I feel like usually these guys out of out of the big programs, I mean, a Duke guy is usually given right. a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Well, I'll, I will say this, that if you look at my mentions when mentioning the draft on Twitter... This guy's name is brought up the most, and I have a feeling part of it is that is it? he went, he to, went Duke. to Duke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and maybe not. Maybe it's just that he's a really good player and would be a good fit on the Suns. But I, I just wouldn't surprise me that if playing for Duke had something uh, to do with that. I'd be shocked if the Suns took an eighteen-year-old though. Right? This is a young player, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, he's a little bit unlike most of your one and dones though, because he spent five years instead of four, or even a lot of players only spend one or two. He spent five years at Montverde Academy, which is kind of the consensus best basketball prep program. Interesting. And so he's kind of a veteran from that standpoint. And who else do you got? You got one more that you want to point out, and then, of course, we'll get some honorable mentions in there. Yeah, there was uh, Ben Shepard, who I should have another thing coming out on Brightside on Ben Shepard, like within the hour, I would guess, um, about just how elite efficiency his offense is it's kind of staggering just every single mode of offense is like 40 percent on off the dribble threes and like 60 percent at the rim and like 40 percent on runners which is middle of the pack but still really good for a player his size and um he's a four-year guy also and improved every year not a high turnover guy or a high usage guy he's just an elite efficiency guy if uh, James Jones picks somebody that's a four-year guy, then we know it's all James Jones. If he's if he all of a sudden now that Sarver's gone, starts picking eighteen-year-olds out of the blue, <laughs> that would be something that would be shocking. I mean, Jalen. Me. I mean, he is on the record saying he wouldn't have picked Devin Booker, so I don't know that he would have. Jalen Smith uh, was a sophomore, right? That's I, true. So it's it could happen, you know, or they could spread it around. Maybe we end up with two picks in this draft: take an eighteen-year-old and a twenty-three-year-old, spread around the love. 
Damon, who is the highest ranked Michigan State prospect? I don't even <laughs> think there is one in the class, actually. So they'd have to go undrafted. We're talking about an undrafted Michigan State prospect if they add somebody to the roster here, right? I mean, even after that, I'm not sure there is one. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom Izzo has no impact on this draft. Is what it would saying. be Imani Bates from Eastern Michigan would be the, the Michigan okay. pick. Yeah, That's pretty close. God, That's I didn't even close. think about the Eastern Michigan comp there. Oh, no. <laughs> and I mean, Imani Bates was him. a Michigan State commit at one time, so I'm sure maybe Ishbia being a big booster for them. Maybe Could have been one of the before. reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I think uh, that narrows it down quite a bit for us. You got any honorable mentions that you want to mention real quick before we end this one? Um, I also really love Marcus Sasser, who's a combo guard from Houston, and Tristan Vuksevich, who is oh, a... Oh, yes, I have heard about him. ...who's like a stretch big, kind of unicorn-type offensive player, but... Um, I don't really see either of those being the pick. I saw some highlights of him just killing it at a combine game this past week, right? Like he was Vucevic, oh, yeah. that is. He was getting some buzz just for his shooting. Uh, yeah. I think why he shot three for three from three in one game. Why? He, yeah, just a seven-foot big with some range. Why don't you see that being the pick? You just don't see the Suns going in, in that kind of direction, even if they could. Yeah, he, up. I just see Vogel going more of a defensive big route rather than like a stretch offensive big. Yeah. That's fascinating. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Assuming the Suns end up keeping this pick, there's always a chance that something's <laughs> done today, in fact, after we record this podcast. And uh, once we have an idea of who they're drafting, of course, Damon, we'd love to hear from you again and see what you think. I'm sure you'll be writing about it on Bright Side of the Sun. Make sure that you follow Damon. It's Thanks I for am me. Damon Allred on Twitter. Is that right, Damon? Yep, 100%. And uh, yeah, you'll see everything that he writes there. Thanks for joining us, Damon. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you'd like to join our Patreon, you can join us at patreon.com slash the timeline. You'll get an extra podcast every week for $6 a month or just join us on Discord for $3 a month. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back to cover everything very, very soon. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.